So, as Trev was mentioning, we're done with Hebrews, and we're kind of on these in-between weeks, and, and when that happens, we have what we, Trev and I, call one-offs, meaning there's not part of a series, and it's not part of uh, anything, and we just preach from the Bible. Um, and when that happens, it's sometimes an interesting journey for the preacher. So, you never know what the Lord necessarily wants you to talk about then. So, when... We come together as the family of God. We just are like family. And if you've been in a family, your families are hot messes. And so, because they're made up of humans, and they're made up of humans who are fallen and redeemed, and who are in relationship with other humans who are fallen and redeemed, and and it's not always pretty. And life in itself is incredibly messy. Even if you're doing everything right, life can fall apart on you. Now, I'm going to call that trouble. Sometimes we run into trouble. There can be external trouble, which is like uh, things that are happening to you on the outside. Someone invades your country. Um, you get someone robs your house. You're, you get in a car wreck that wasn't your fault. All, life happens, right? You get sick. You get whatever. And then there's an internal trouble, which is trouble that you cause because you're dumb and you sin. And so the reality is that Trouble happens to us all the time. I cause my own trouble. Sometimes the trouble of my own sin causes trouble for other people. Sometimes other people's sin causes me trouble. Sometimes it's just life, like there's a storm, knocks a tree down, you're in trouble, right? We live in a world of trouble. Jesus literally told us, in this world, you will have trouble. And then he said, take heart, I have overcome the world. So today what I wanted to look at is there's, this, there's a passage in Scripture that talks about trouble and the comfort that God gives us in the midst of that trouble. And so we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And um, before we jump into it, let's just spend a moment praying and uh, getting ready to do that. If you, if you don't have a Bible on your phone or whatever, you want a paper Bible, there should be one in the chair around you. And if you do not have a Bible, please take that one. So that's what it's there for. So let's, uh, let's spend a moment praying before we dive into 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 1. Lord, we come to you who knows full well the trouble that we endure being humans on a fallen planet. And we know that this is not our home and that this is not eternity for us, but that instead there is a new heaven and a new earth that awaits us, and that is our hope. Our hope, Lord Jesus, is that you will come and rescue us finally. You will redeem us completely and that we will live in eternity with you where there will be no more tears, where there will be no more sadness, where there will be no more difficulty, no more wars, no more brokenness. And we will finally be as you intended us to be, which is perfect, sinless. But that is not yet, Lord. We live in this until time where we wait for your return, where you have come and died on the cross and rose from the dead and given us your spirit, given us your word. And yet we struggle, Lord. And you have given us the word of God as the story of your redemption and the story of your people crying out to you. And so we come to you this morning as true humans who have true struggles to enter your word and receive the comfort that you have there for us. So would you teach us? We ask just humbly that your Holy Spirit would teach us what you want us to know today. Teach us what we need to hear. Reveal to us the truth of your word and how we should walk in it. We entrust our hearts and our minds and our lives to you, Lord, as we enter into your word and we ask for your help. In Christ's risen name we pray. Amen. 
So 2 Corinthians, Paul wrote this book. There were a lot of them. And it starts out, we're going to be in verses 3 through 7. It says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us all in our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, you also share in our comfort. If you, when you study the Bible, things that are repeated are important things. And if you, were, if you have a Bible and that you can write in, and, or you can write in someone else's Bible, I guess, but if you have a Bible, um, and when you see the word comfort, I want you to underline it or circle it, and it happens in there a lot, this word comfort. There's another word I want you to circle which is, or underline, which is either troubles or sufferings. And I want you to notice just one overarching thing as we, before we dive into the text and really kind of pick it apart is that comfort and trouble are all tied in together here. It's not separate. We have this concept in our minds that comfort means that I'm not in trouble. That's not what this is saying. And so we're going to dive into that some. I want you to come into it, though, with this idea that, hey, guess what? We receive comfort when we're in trouble. And that comfort, even in the grammar here, is all tied in in the context of trouble and suffering. So, for, starts off, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a very common um, uh, phrasing from Paul. Praise be to him. And who is he? He is the father of compassion. So this idea of compassion, or some versions may say the father of mercy. It's this idea of someone seeing um, someone in misery and feeling sympathy for them and then being moved to action. It's not just that I see somebody hurting and I feel sad. It's not just that I see somebody hurting and I feel really sad, like I feel the things that they're feeling, like empathy. It's that I see someone in misery, I feel for them, I have sympathy for them, and then I move to action. So he is the God of compassion who sees us in our misery and then it gets manifested in action. If God's compassion was not actual compassion, then he would, Jesus would not have come and we would still be lost in our sin. But he saw us in our brokenness and our sadness and he sees us in our misery and he does something. Compassion is always active. It is not a passive process. Compassion is simply that it gets manifested in action. So he is the father of compassion. He is the father who sees us in our misery and is then moved to do something. And he is the God of all comfort. So this word for comfort is a, is a compound word um, meaning uh, to call to one side. So uh, the, the, the call is the word kaleo, para means to, to bring to one side. And so this idea of comfort is literally someone who comes alongside you and, and puts their arm around you. When Jesus says that um, I am leaving you, but I'm going to ask the Father, and he's going to send you a helper in John 14. That word for helper is, is the this same root word here. It's someone coming alongside us, the Holy Spirit, who comes alongside of us to help us. And so he says, the God of all comfort, to call alongside. And in this passage, it's this combination of encouragement and alleviation of grief. So it's not just like, hey, buddy, pat on the back, well done, I'm sorry you're sad. It's this idea of a, of a coming alongside, God calling us alongside of himself 
for encouragement in our trouble and alleviation of the grief that we're suffering during that trouble. Does that make sense? So he is the God who has uh, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Then it says, who does what? This is his action. He comforts us in all of our troubles. So a word for troubles or trouble, or some of your versions may say affliction. It's this idea of a pressing down or a pressing together. And it can, can come about where like this, uh, this idea that you're stuck in a narrow place and you don't have any options, you don't have anywhere to turn. But it's not just the trouble itself. It, it has to do with the, not just the, so it's not just the situation, right? It's not just your circumstances, but it's the difficulty that you're having in coping with the trouble. Does that make sense? So not just the trouble, like not just the cancer or not just the make your list of whatever your trouble is. It is the trouble and then the difficulty or the struggle that we have in coping with the trouble. Because trouble is one thing. That's fine. Things happen. A tree falls on stuff. Things burn down. People get sick. I sin. You sin. We, we cause trouble. Trouble happens to us. But it's this process of having to cope with the trouble and the internal pressure that we feel when we're coping with trouble. That is the kind of trouble he's talking about. So if you go back and look at this, so you have this, we have this God. He is our Father. And he sees us in our misery and is then moved to do something. So he brings comfort, which he comes alongside of us, calls us to his side to encourage us and to give us um, an alleviation of the grief that we are feeling. And then in this trouble, when we are not only uh, having the difficulty, but having trouble coping with that difficulty, and we feel this internal stress in that, he is there with us. So it says in verse 4, he comforts us in all our troubles so that... I love that phrase in the Bible. Whenever there's a so that, you can see something happens for a reason. And then we can see what the reason is. So that what? He comforts us in our troubles so I can be comforted and I can be happy, right? No. He comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble. With what? With the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives so also through Christ our comfort overflows. So there's this picture, really, of I can comfort you because I've received comfort from God. But I want you to imagine, like, if you have a cup, and in this cup is this cup of your suffering. I don't know what that looks like. I have no idea. Whatever comes to your mind, it's this image of a cup. And in that cup is your troubles. And it is full of trouble. It's, like, overflowing. Well, guess what? What comes into that cup? Comfort. Comfort comes into that cup. And that comfort overflows the suffering. Like if you have a cup that has uh, one liquid in it and you put enough of another liquid in it, it's going to push the other liquid out and then all that will remain is the other liquid. So it's like you have suffering. I have a cup that's full of suffering, a cup that's full of trouble, and God comes in and he pours his comfort into me and that comfort then overflows and where does it go? It goes on to others who are in trouble. You see how that works? It's incredible. You have this person, and we're talked about, uh, Paul talks about as being uh, vessels or, or jars of clay. This fragile, frail, you could take a jar of clay and smash it on the ground. We're frail, we're weak. Trouble reveals our weakness. It reveals our humanity. It reveals our need. Trouble always reveals those things. And into that trouble comes who? God himself. 
He doesn't send, he's not sending a prophet. He's not sending someone else. He himself comes. Literally, the triune God is here. Do you see this? God the Father comes. God the Son comes. God the Spirit indwells us as our helper and comes alongside us in our suffering. When we are suffering, does God run away from us? When we're in trouble, does he flee? No. He sees us in our need because he's the father of compassion and he brings his comfort to us. And then the purpose of that comfort is to overflow into the lives of others. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort. So look at verse five here again. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so there's this idea of, this is a, a different word for, for sufferings uh, than it is for trouble. So Christ suffered, and the New Testament is full of references to us suffering on Christ's behalf, right? So this is talking about not just the sufferings that the believers experience because of their faith in Christ, but also the sufferings that we experience just as a body, as a gathering of believers, as a family of God, the sufferings that we endure flow into our lives. But then, as I've already said, the comfort through Christ comes in and overflows us so that you can then comfort someone else who is afflicted. So let's look at verse uh, 6 here. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. Okay, so in addition to this, this cup, right, of of, suffer, of, of overflowing. When we lived in, uh, in Guatemala, there was, this, um, there was this park, this water park called uh, Chocomil, and it had this giant, it was like a kid's water park thing, uh, this section of it was. And I don't know, I've never seen one, this, this bucket this big in the States, it probably breaks some kind of a rule, but you may have seen something similar where there was this giant bucket and it would fill with water, and there was like a big pirate on top of it or something, and, and, and every minute or two, this bucket would dump over. Like it was on these little hinges and then when it would get full enough, it would dump over. And it was like really big, like uh, way too big. People got hurt. It was fantastic. And kids would get just blown out. I mean, like if you were under like 80 pounds, you just got hammered. I mean, it would just smash little kids all over the place. And grown-ups would get knocked down and it was probably, it wouldn't work here, but it was this massive amount of water. I don't know how many gallons, thousands of gallons of water. And so it would fill up, though. And there's this giant thing that's just dumping, 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 dumping water in it, this big spigot. And it's just constantly dumping it, and then it writes itself, and then it gets filled up again, and it, and it dumps out. And that's kind of the picture that came to my mind when I was thinking about this comfort of Jesus. Like, we're like, we're like I'm, I'm like this bucket. And his comfort pours into me, overwhelming. And then when it, gets, when it fills me up, I just dump it out. That's what happens when we're in community is that my comfort can comfort you because God is comforting me. And God is not just comforting, he's not like patting us on the head. He's overflowing, abundantly comforting us. Look at verse six. It says, as we are comforted, this uh, comfort which produces in you, your, your version may say which is effectual, or it may say, uh, so apparently this is a hard passage to translate, but that word for produces is the same root word that we get the word English for electricity. It's a power. It produces comfort in us, produces in us, what? Patient endurance. Why do we need patient endurance? 
because we have to endure something. And we need to endure it patiently. Instead of like, I guess the opposite of patiently would be grumbly or impatiently endure. Not enduring it well, right? This idea of I'm going to endure the trouble with patience. How? Something is producing that patient endurance. And it is this comfort. So where does that come from? So when this word of electricity, it made me think of a lamp. And so you have this a lamp that you plug into a wall and electricity gets made somewhere and it's all this like magic stuff and I don't know how it happens. And this thing that we can't even see flows through these magic cables and goes up through the lamp and then it lights a bulb. It's amazing, right? I know the people who are way smarter than me are like, it's nothing complicated, it's electricity, blah, blah, blah. It's just a lamp we've been doing for a long time. Okay. I want you to unplug the lamp and then make it light. Do that for me. Unplug the lamp and then make it turn on. Make it do what it's supposed to do, which is shine light. The purpose of the lamp is to shine light. It can't do it unless it's plugged in. So I may overuse my metaphor here, but in my metaphor here, the comfort is the electricity coming through and the patient endurance is what is produced when the light turns on. What is the cable? What is the wire? In this circumstance, it's trouble. Trouble is the conduit through which God is sending his comfort to produce in us patient endurance. And that patient endurance shines light, shines the light of the gospel. Why? Because no one should be able to endure trouble the way that believers endure trouble. Because we're supposed to endure trouble with what? The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Think about Stephen when he's getting stoned. He looks up to heaven and he dies a painful death in absolute worship. The juxtaposition of that shattered everything. His comfort produces in us patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. And our hope in you is firm. Why? Because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, you share in our comfort. Paul was not overwhelmed at the Corinthians because they were grieving the sufferings that Paul had endured. And he'll go about later and, and he'll talk about the, the sufferings that he has happened, that have occurred to him in chapter 4. And all these terrible things were happening to Paul. And terrible things were going to happen to the Corinthians. But he knew that in their suffering that God would comfort them. So... Let me ask you a question. You don't have to answer it out loud. You're welcome to, of course. I'd love it when y'all actually answer it out loud. But are you suffering trouble right now? If you're not suffering trouble, do you know someone who is? Yeah, we can all answer the yes to that question, right? Someone, one of us knows we're either in trouble or we know someone who is, man. You do not get out of this life unscathed. This week was uh, nothing like catastrophic happened in the Scott house. It was just a hard week, man. Like, I didn't get audited by the IRS. Nothing like the house didn't burn down. Somebody didn't drive their car into it. Nothing. It's just like life hard. Just, just hard. We're tired. We're trouble. We have trouble every, like every week. <laughs> I wouldn't have a week that goes by where there's not some kind of trouble. Like I trip over something or stub my toe or get an unexpected bill or something breaks or whatever. Life just happens. And then there's like trouble. Like with a capital T, like your marriage is in trouble or you get your house foreclosed on 
or you find out you have cancer, like trouble. What do you do when you're in it? How do we respond as believers? Because we're supposed to respond differently. So what I want to call you to is I want to, I want to talk about two things. And I'm going to say two truths and then what we should do because of those truths. And the first truth is this. God comforts us. And if you don't believe that, I'm going to read the Bible and tell you what God says. So if you ever read the book of Isaiah, it's massive and amazing. And it's like the Romans of the Old Testament. There's so much in it. Just so, so, so much in it. And in the last chapter of that Bible, so in the context of Isaiah, they're going into exile. They have lived for hundreds and hundreds of years in absolute rebellion to the Lord, and he's bringing judgment upon them. He's disciplining his people, and he's going to send them into exile, and he's sent Isaiah to give them a message. And the very last chapter is this blended message of judgment. I'm going to send you away, but I'm going to bring you back judgment and hope. And he gives this metaphor here. In verse uh, 10, this is uh, Isaiah 66, 10. He says, Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her, all you who love her. Rejoice greatly with her, all you who mourn over her. For you will nurse and be satisfied at her comforting breasts, and you will drink deeply and delight in her overflowing abundance. For this is what the Lord says, I will extend peace to her like a river. You ever wonder where that phrase comes from in the song? There it is. I will extend peace to her like a river and the wealth of nations like a flooding stream. And I will nurse, or you will nurse, and to be carried on her arm and dandled on her knees. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. Let me read that again. This is God saying to the nation of Israel, as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. And you will be comforted over Jerusalem. So if you've never nursed a child, and I never have, but I've seen my wife nurse our babies. When a child is super upset, a baby is super upset, it is this miraculous thing that can happen. The mother can nurse that child, and everything's okay. I don't know what's wrong with the baby. I'm just hungry. I don't know. Incredible comfort. God is saying, I will comfort you like a mother comforts a screaming infant. That's, that's a picture of God. Isn't that amazing? It's God who is majestic, powerful, terrifyingly marvelous. He is incredibly glorious. So much so that even the most holy people in the Bible can't even look at him. And he will hold us like a mother nursing her screaming infant. Another familiar passage is Psalm 23. Which, man, if you ever memorize any Bible verses at all, just memorize Psalm 23 this week. It'll make your life better. I'm going to read the whole thing because it's short and it's great. So it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Listen to this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, trouble, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Where is David? 
He's in the valley of the shadow of death. Where is David? He's in the presence of his enemies. Does he say, you remove me out of the trouble? No. No, he doesn't. He sets up a picnic right in front of his enemies. On the battlefield of his enemies, David's sitting there eating some fried chicken, eating potato salad, enjoying time of the Lord. Why? Because you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Do you see that overflowing? Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Probably the greatest poem that any human will ever write. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. God comforts us. He does. And if you're sitting there thinking, God does not comfort me because I've never experienced God's comfort, then my question to you would be, why not? Because he says that he'll comfort you. And if you have never received his comfort, why have not you received his comfort? There's only a few answers to that question. Maybe no one ever showed you how. Maybe you didn't know. Maybe you're like, I don't know God was like that. I don't know God was a guy that comforted me like a mother. Wow, that's amazing. Well, guess what? Now you know. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to stand in your comfort and wave your fist at God and get mad at him? Or are you going to let him comfort you? What does that look like? What does it look like to allow God to comfort you? Let's go back to the metaphor of the mother and the nursing child. If the, the, of course, the mother can just overwhelm the baby and hold it, right? Which is sometimes what we need God to do. Sometimes you may just need to say, Lord, grab me like a baby and just hold me close because I'm dumb and I don't know what else to do. You know what? That is a great prayer. That is a godly, faithful prayer. That is the kind of prayer that the apostles prayed. God, take over. Draw me in. What does it look like? Practically, it's going to look like you having some kind of quiet with the Lord. You cannot be comforted if you won't stop running. Do you understand me? You have got to get solitude and you have to get silence to get comforted. Why? Because we can't listen when we're screaming into the wind. You can't. If you have no time in your life to get alone with God, I mean, like, you get alone. It's not complicated. You hear say it all the time. You get alone, you read your Bible, you pray, you journal. It's, it's super not complicated. I'll say it once and say it 100 times. If you don't know how to study your Bible, send me an email, and I will teach you how to do it. It was the joy of my life. Read the Bible. Read a Psalm. Read Psalm 23. Open Psalm 1. Start reading. Read the Bible. Get on your knees before the Lord and pray and ask him for, your, ask him for help, and he helps us. Have any of you ever experienced that kind of comfort? Yes. If you've experienced that kind of comfort and you know someone who doesn't know how to experience that kind of comfort, go show that person how. That's what it looks like for the overflow of Christ's comfort in you to overflow in other people. But it can't happen. And if, you're, if you have a cup and there's a cup and that cup is across the room, your overflow is just going to spill on the floor. You've got to be close to each other to overflow comfort onto others. So if you are a person who is experiencing God's comfort right now, get close to someone who isn't and let Christ overflow his comfort on them. Does that make sense? It means you need to be in community. What does that look like? It looks like being near somebody, right? We talk all the time about how COVID drove people apart. Well, that's not how we're supposed to be. Go get coffee. Give somebody a call. Get close to people and let comforts overflow onto them. So God comforts. So because God comforts, draw near to him. You may be asking, okay, great. Uh, my trouble is too big. It's too great for God. My answer to that is no, it's not. I mean, really, come on. If your trouble is too big for God, you need to amplify your 
idea of who God is. I'm sorry. He is the one who creates and sustains all things. He spoke creation into being with a word. He made you. You realize that? He made me. He made us. He created us. He has this entire universe as a demonstration of his glory. It's not even his glory. It's just kind of a glimmery reflection of his glory. He is majestic and awesome. And if you don't know him, get in the word and read it. Read the book of Isaiah. Read Isaiah 45. Read Isaiah 40. Read Romans 8. Read the Bible. See what Jesus does. He walks on water. He heals people. He's kind. He's good. He's wonderful. He's, he's God. And I'm telling you that he's bigger than whatever trouble that you're in. What I'm not telling you is that he will rescue out of the trouble necessarily. We live in a time right now where uh, if you're in trouble, you're accused of not having faith. Well, your reason you're in trouble is because you don't believe. Um, I beg your pardon. Paul just said the sufferings of Christ flow into our lives. That happens to people because they're faithful, not because you're not. So if you're in trouble, it's not because you lack faith. It's just because you live in a fallen world. And you have to seek the God of all comfort. So draw near to him. And then as you do that, I want you to realize this truth, that God redeems. He redeems our trouble. He redeems it and makes it into something good. He works all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. The great promise from Romans 8. So because he redeems, I want you to trust him. If you don't believe that he redeems, let's read the Bible. Colossians 1, if you have a small view of God, read Colossians 1, another great passage. It says this, in verse 1, 13. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. If God can redeem my sin, he can redeem yours, and he can redeem any trouble that you're in. Why? Because he is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. This is the God that we serve. And he is the God who can be trusted in your trouble. So trust him. Draw near to him and trust him and receive his comfort. Surrender to his will, surrender to his word, and receive the comfort that he has for you. Why? Because honestly, it isn't actually about you. When we're in trouble, we turn inward. I'm like, it's all about me. I got it. And that's, that's okay. Like, it's totally normal. But do you see what Paul says? If we are in distress, it is what? For your comfort and salvation. So I'm going to encourage you to do a third thing. I want you to draw near to God because he comforts us. I want you to trust him because he redeems. And then I want you to go out and serve people. Get outside of your space. It's incredible what happens when you serve people even when you're suffering. I'm not telling you to neglect self-care. Don't, don't go all there. Be like, no, no, Pastor Brandon told me to go serve. So I'm not supposed to sleep or eat. No, this is ridiculous. Self-care is really important. It's a lesson I've been learning for 35 years or whatever. I'm not very good at it. But you've got to, yes, take care of yourself. I don't know, it's not what I'm saying. I'm saying... Serve. Find somewhere to serve. Our church, start here. You got lots of opportunities. Make coffee, scrub toilets, 
um, wipe noses and teach classes. Goodness knows the people who are teaching these classes right now, they need a break. Um, if you've never served in our children's ministry, here's a plug. Please do it. They're desperate for help. Um, there is gospel ministry going on in the children's ministries of our churches, and children are learning about Jesus. Like, who doesn't want to be a part of that? I'm like, I taught this three-year-old about Jesus, and like they came to Jesus later, like, hallelujah, yay. Serve people. Find somewhere here to serve. Find somewhere in our community to serve. Um, I've got a list of places that we can serve here, of ministries that are doing incredible work, incredible kingdom work right here in our city. Find somewhere to serve. Walk outside your front door, look left, look right. Do you see people? Serve them. It's not complicated. Buy somebody's groceries. Serve someone. And in doing so, allow your comfort to spill out onto them. Okay. So I don't know what kind of trouble you're in this week. I don't know. It could be overwhelming trouble. It could be soul-crushing trouble. My encouragement to you is this, to do these three things, okay? It's not like do three things and everything will be okay. But trust the Lord, and I promise you, he will comfort you. That's my promise to you. I don't promise that he will relieve you of your suffering. That's not a promise that I have. But we have the promise of his comfort. So we're going to take a minute here as we close. And I don't want you to, if you have something in your heart and it's your way down and you're burdened, I'm going to open up a time of prayer for us. And as we respond in worship by singing to the Lord, I want you to bring that trouble to the Lord. He has you here right now, right here for a purpose, for a reason. So don't leave here until you've talked to him about it. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We come to you as he who is our rock and our fortress, our shield, our redeemer, you who fight for us, you who claim us as your own. You are a, a rock to us that we can continually come. You are our hiding place. You comfort us as a mother comforts her child. You carry us when we cannot walk. You give us help in our time of need. You are not far, Lord. Every believer has the Holy Spirit in them, Lord. And we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are with us. So help us, Lord God, to recognize your presence, to receive the comfort that you have in our trouble so that your comfort can overflow from us and comfort other people. Help us, Lord Jesus, as we respond in worship right now, as we sing back to you. Would you help us to deal with the things that are in our heart, to deal with the things that we need to deal with now, and to not leave here until we have answered the call that you're giving on our heart right now. Help us to respond by drawing near and by trusting you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. you 
have lavished on me Cause I don't have much I don't have much But I have a heart that beats for you I have a heart that beats for you No, I don't have much I don't have much But I have a heart that beats for you I have a heart that beats for you So every part of me Wants to love you like you loved me Lord, yeah, every part of me Wants to love you like you loved me Lord, and I don't have much I don't have much but I have a heart that beats for you. I have a heart that beats for you. I don't have much. I don't have much. But I have a heart that beats for you. I have a heart that beats for you. Let's go back to the top. How do I respond to the love that you have lavished on? To the love that you have lavished on me I don't have much I don't have much But I have a heart that beats for you I have a heart that beats for you I don't have much I don't have much But I have a heart that beats for you for you. 
So as you go throughout this week, press into the God of all comfort, the Father of compassion, who comforts us in our afflictions, and go in peace.